You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my co-host Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad, Mark. How about yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. We've, I don't know, we had a good 4th of July. I had a good 4th of July. How was yours? Eh, you know, it wasn't amazing. Just kind of like a shitty uh, time for it. It's one of my favorite holidays. It was kind of like, wasn't didn't feel very 4th of July. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, not we can't do the exact same things that we we once were able to do. At least not not so far. But happy birthday to uh, the youngest of your clan. Thank you. Yeah, yeah she turned seven on uh, the first of July. Yeah, big shout out. That's uh, that's that happens to be our wedding anniversary as well. That's funny. Oh, uh, because I think. I always, I always get confused as or no, how, how old no. you're younger. First of June, not July. Yeah, I was saying because I remember my wife was pregnant at your wedding. Yeah, I was just, I was thinking about that too, and I was like, "Wait, you guys were there? That's not possible." Right. Oh. I always forget how, how old your youngest is, like like month wise compared to. Wasn't she born in December? Yeah, she, her birthday is December seventeenth. So yeah, that, that, that's when December. that's when she'll turn seven. So. She's uh yeah. yeah, about, you know, five months, six months younger. Sure. Uh anyway. So news wise, I don't really have much of anything. I don't know if you've seen if you've seen anything interesting in the news. They're not not much is going on as far as news goes. That probably the biggest thing in entertainment is that Hamilton's on Disney Plus, which I did watch. I didn't watch it, but uh, unfortunately, I caved in, and I now have Disney Plus because my oldest daughter is uh, obsessed with Hamilton. <laughs> I heard that that Ham- that Hamilton like increased their down their people buying it by like seventy percent or something like that. Oh, jeez! Yeah, insane! Like a lot of people have got have gotten it now because of of Hamilton. It was good. I liked it. What I understand is how is this possible? Isn't a Hamilton a uh, a slave owner? Yeah, that's true. And apparently Puerto Rican. Right. <laughs> a Puerto Rican slave owner? I guess they, they canceled each other out. It's funny because they talked about it with George Washington, obviously, uh, notably a a slave owner. And I don't, I, I'm not actually sure if Alexander Hamilton did own slaves or not, but I, believe I he did. but I know that, uh, that George Washington did. And they talked about that of what, how they were going, how they were going to portray, portray him. Or I, I don't even know if Lin-Manuel Miranda had any you know, conversations with anyone about this, but people were reviewing it. were talking about it. And they said basically that it, you know, it, they don't really they don't really deal with it. You know, they just, they just kind of say, you know, they portray him as the larger than life character that he was, the legacy that he was and, and all that stuff. And, and that's kind of just how they, how they, they, they don't deal with it basically. But somebody was talking about, you know, there's been so many, so much political, uh, chicanery and, you know, fighting and vitriol and all that stuff. For the past few weeks, somebody was talking about the the um, 
uh, Mount Rushmore, and they they mentioned about how Washington was. You feel that Mount Rushmore is on the Mount Rushmore monuments? <laughs> I don't actually. I don't know. I don't know if I would put I it on the Mount. Would be. I don't think I would put it on the Mount Rushmore monuments either. I mean, even I mean, maybe if you isolate it entirely to South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what would you put on the Mount Rushmore of monuments? I think uh, put the, you got to put the Washington um, Monument on that bad boy. I would think so. Yeah, Washington Monument's got to go on there. I'd probably put the Lincoln. Liberty is the Lincoln Memorial a monument? Technically, sure. Yeah, I'll go with it. I'd probably put the Lincoln Memorial on there. Statue of Liberty, of course. Before you ask, no, you can't put your homemade statue of Joseph Goebbels on there. It's very appropriate. <laughs> What about what about the um, the Lego Mengele I made? Did you steal a, a big boy from outside of a restaurant and just shape it and there was a menacing uh, face? I thought that was pretty ingenious. But what about my Lego Mengele? Can that can that go on there? Oh man. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, but so they were talking about how Washington was a slave owner, and basically. I said to I said to this person, look, if you want yeah, he owns slaves. <laughs> and I'm not gonna defend it. I'm not gonna say that was a great thing. But if you want to judge him by the worst thing that he ever did, then I mean I guess, but who that's not fair to any human being. They're all people, you know. He was a flawed person just like any other person, but he did do some good things too. And he, and he also did bad things. His life needs to be taken as a whole, not as all these different pieces. Right. And that's kind of how I feel about all of them. You know, a lot, all of them did bad things. All the founders, none of the founders were perfect people, but they, uh, in a lot of cases, they did the best they could. Apparently, according to my very limited research here, Alexander Hamilton did not own slaves, but he was complicit in the system of slavery. What about uh, Ben Franklin? He he did pretty. He was pretty moral for the most part. I believe Ben Franklin owned slaves very early, um, but then freed them. Be- before and, it was cool, I heard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ben Franklin was an OG slave owner be- before it was cool. Yeah, two slaves. He owned two slaves. They were household servants, and um, he freed them, and also then. Uh, like, uh, let's, I don't know exactly where, um, but he, he, he founded the first, uh, abolitionist movement or abolitionist society in North America, apparently. So early in his life, he did own them, uh, but then got, you know, I was going to say got rid of them, but that has, oh, no. that has bad connotations. He freed them. There we go. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> so speaking of slavery and politics and racial relations, Ted Danson, <laughs> that blackface incident was the best, wasn't it? When him and Whoopi Goldberg did that. Um, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, uh, the Watchmen. We watched the Watchmen again. We're keeping up with it. So we're yeah. we're on episode is this episode three? Episode three, she was killed by space junk. Yep, exactly. And almost uh 
I assume that refers to Silk Spectre almost uh, impaling herself with with space junk, literal space junk. Right. That was one of the funniest things that I've, I've seen in TV in a long time. But, but in this episode, we start out uh, with Silk Spectre. She she starts to rob a bank, and actually, you know, I, 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 that's not quite correct. She goes into a Manhattan. That's booth, that's right. That's right. Yes, and that, which is this thing where you make a call and they uh, send Doctor Manhattan a uh, a message on Mars. Mm-hmm. So she starts with a joke about a bricklayer teaching his daughter how to lay bricks, and he comes up with an extra brick. Yep. The daughter throws him in the air, and then Lori says, oh, wait, I messed up the punchline. Then, as you said, you see Lori entering into a bank. Yeah, yeah. So she comes into a bank. Uh, she takes out a gun and, you know, shoots uh, one of the guards, shoots the gun in the air. She's like, this is a robbery. Give me, give me all the stuff. Uh, there's a vigilante. Who comes in? He kind of looks like, um, what's his name? Her former lover. Um, I know. Yeah, he kind of looks. I mean, not not exactly, obviously, but they all 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 those ones sort of are are Batman takes on Batman, I guess. And yeah, yeah, the gadgeteer type uh, superhero, right? And so he he looks a little bit like that. Eventually, it turns out that it's all a setup because she now works for the FBI. And they gave him this false tip in order to entrap him since vigilantism is a crime. And they end up arresting him. And it turns out that she works for the FBI. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff here. Um, first of all, Gene Smart is amazing. as a, It's a perfect choice for Lori Blake. She's like the Excellent. grizzled kind of like, uh, you know, investigator. Mm-hmm. A lot of ways she mirrors her father, the comedian. Because it, she essentially has now become what he has, like one of the few authorized vigilantes who are using the Keen Act, you know, to... Uh, She's not really much of a career. She just seems to get some kind of like you know joy out of arresting these people because, first of all, she knows they're all operating on a much lower scale than she and her compatriots were. I mean, she literally saved the world. Yep. Or rather, failed to do so. Right. Um. But then, um. But then, so even at one point, this guy kind of runs away and she shoots in the back and he collapses the ground. He goes, "Wow, Agent Blake, how'd you know that his armor would stop the bullet?" <laughs> and know, she his, just walks away. <laughs> she just does not respond at all. Her face, and like as you pointed out, the acting is is fantastic. Her face tells the whole story. She does not there there no dialogues needed. Her face tells the yeah, entire so story great. of it. Yeah, the FBI like you know kind of wraps up the crime scene, and then like you know some people are like, oh, why are you taking him away? He's a hero. And she's like, he's just a joke. He's not a hero. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of like, just like playing at it. Really, is what she feels. I think. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of it's sort of like in I think it's the Dark Knight. Uh, that how that movie opens with all the the people you know dressed up as Batman and of course Christian Bale's uh you know line I'm not wearing hockey pants. Third one, but I can be no. I think you're right. I think it's a Dark Knight. But anyway, yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of that. It's it's the same sort of sentiment where there's these people are almost like copycats in a way because they're not doing the big like you point out they're not doing the actual big important work that. You know, that the people in the Watchmen were or whatever, but uh, they're, you know, they're kind of just fanboys. And that seems to be uh, a bit of a theme in this episode is fandom and, and, you know, like that kind of fan mentality. Sure. Because it gets it does get brought up again. Um, 
I'm trying to think what happened after this. She goes, I, "Do we go right into the briefing after this?" We we no, we go to we go to her house and like she's like, "Yeah, she's got a little mouse. She's putting into a cage, which mm. uh, you see mm-hmm. for us. You kind of realize is, oh wait, it's an owl. Yep. Uh, there's a knock at the door. It's uh, the young Senator Joe Keene. Uh, he congratulates her on getting Mister Shadow. He kind of makes his way in. He looks at the owl and he goes, "Oh, I, I need you to go to Tulsa and lead an investigation. He wants her to investigate Jed Crawford's murder." He doesn't think it was the 7th Cavalry's fault because they didn't claim credit for it, which they most certainly would. So since he thinks he's a vigilante and she's an expert in hunting down these vigilantes, he suggests, you know, hey, why don't you do it? And, oh, by the way, I might be able to let your other owl out of the cage, referring to uh, Dan Dryberg, the uh, night owl from yep. the uh, comics, which is interesting because he's only really referenced there. I mean, what do you, what's he in prison for? I, I don't really know. That's, an, that's a very interesting question. I, I, I suspect he probably was going to tell the story of what happened and they just put him in jail, but I don't really know. Yeah, that's and I've heard a couple people since I've tried to not like, you know, read or or anything about this, you know, the show as much as possible, because they're, you know, pretty much I, I hadn't really heard anything about it other than it was good. And that was mostly from you. But I did read after this episode, somebody say that they don't necessarily want a continuation of this show, but they wouldn't mind a spinoff of of night owl in in prison or you know like like what life is like for them for him in there just basically like a spin-off of that idea yeah I, i'm so against it well uh, i'll we make can... i'll make my final judgment when the, when this is over i don't think you can I, I i feel that they were lucky in the way that it was so good that you wouldn't want to risk it again yeah i can definitely see that oh. Yeah, then we cut back to Lori, uh, you know, in the Manhattan booth. She says uh, there's a joke she starts about three heroes trying to get into heaven. The first one is Night Owl. Mm-hmm. So he's not tough enough. He never killed anybody. So he's he's sent to hell for not being tough enough. Yep. This is like a, this is like they do in the comic as well. It's like another story playing in the background, which, you know, kind of like uh, references what's going on and also is like its own unique story that could be, you know, it's told separately. Mm-hmm. And then And then, like you said, she goes to the briefing. Yeah, so then she goes to the briefing where they they explain they give us a little bit of backstory. It's it doesn't feel like an exposition uh, an exposition dump because most of this is stuff we already know. It's it feels like what it is a briefing for them, and they kind of go through the history of the Seventh Cavalry. They show some pictures. We get an idea of how quickly she's able to assimilate information. Uh, kind of, you know, compile it in her brain and figure stuff out. She, she's obviously, you know, very quick. And they, uh, she says, so the, you know, the director or whatever starts kind of describing the assignment and talking about what's going to happen. And she says, no, I'll go alone because, you know, they're going to start freaking out if an army of suits drops from the sky. And he says, you can't do this kind of thing alone. So she points to the project, to the, the guy running the projectionist, who's also an agent, and she says, "I'll take that guy." Right, that's Agent Deal Petey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Agent Petey. They they make his name that the, his last name that so he, he sounds like a little kid, and he does. Obviously, right. he looks younger. Yes, he looks like he uh, just graduated high school. Right. So they they get on the private jet to to go off to Tulsa, and. During the the plane ride, they as they're starting to approach, they have a, a bit of a conversation, and he you know he mentions 
Adrian Veidt, he mentions uh, what's her name, True, um, Lady True, and yeah, and everything, and she. She kind of quips at him. She's like, uh, she's like, "Hey, do you want an autograph? You're you obviously care all about this old shit that, that happened. This is really exciting for you, or whatever. You want me to give you an autograph?" And he shows that he's got some backbone, despite the fact that he's he's young. He says, "Hey, you know, I I majored in history. I did a thesis on the 1977 police riot or police strike." I know, I know this stuff, you know, am I, I guess I'm not supposed to say anything because, you know, oh, you're famous or whatever, but I'm not going to pretend that I don't know who you are and I don't know what your life is. I'm not just some fucking fanboy. Right. And you can see that she, she gains a little respect for, for him there. Uh, you know, and that they, they mention, uh, Adrian Vite who, who comes up again in this, uh, in this episode, we get a little, I love like his story, and I assume I, I'm I can't imagine that it's going to happen any other way. But I assume that his story is just going to kind of play out. It's like it's one of the, like the slow like overarching things of this uh, this series. But we get a little bit more of an idea of what's going on and where he is and why. Right. Because he he's got uh, another Mister Phillips <laughs> in. What looks like a kind of like ancient or not ancient, but a you know an old timey under underwater scuba suit sort of. It, that's what it looks like, and yeah, they're doing some kind of test, and then um, you know the next like it kind of cuts to his face. We're, we're holding on his face, and then it cuts to his face still, but now he's frozen and dead in this like dead eyed stare. They take the he takes the helmet off and he's completely frozen. He starts kicking at him. He's all pissed off about this happening, obviously. And another Mr. Phillips comes up and he's like, you know, what's going on? And he says, I think we need thicker skin. So he goes and there's a herd of buffalo and he shoots one with an arrow through the eye and starts going towards it. And then a mysterious guy on horseback shoots at his feet and he's forced to turn around and go away. And that's, I think it cuts from there. And then we go back to the main story. But. Yeah, we I, go to Lori and the phone. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I do. what do you want to do? You want to take this chronologically or do you want to finish that storyline? Oh, we can just finish that. Cause, so the next thing that happens as far as that storyline goes is he's in his office and Mrs. Crookshanks. Uh, brings him, you know, says there's been a there's a letter, and she reads it out to him, and it says something to the effect of, "Hey, you know that we made this arrangement when you came here, and it looks like you're trying to circumvent things, and you know uh, I don't like that. And the next time, you know, next time I have to shoot at you, I'm not going to be shooting at your feet. Basically, is what it says. So it's a it's a veiled threat of stop." what it sounds like is stop trying to escape. It sounds like he's being held there for some reason. Like he had, he had the choice of, you know, living or, or dying or whatever. Um, but, uh, or, you know, living in, in prison or, or being killed and that he chose to live in prison. I'm, I'm, 
pretty sure, and I don't know if the guy on horseback is Dr. Manhattan, but I'm pretty sure that Dr. Manhattan must be the one keeping him there. And I I, I guess he's making the multiple Mr. Phillipses and Mrs. Uh, Crookshanks or something. I, I don't know. Like, because, you know, he can do that de- for himself. He can... He can multiply himself, so I'm assuming maybe he's doing that. I don't know. But I that's my assumption, is that he's he's keeping them in prison, so, or he's keeping Vite in prison somehow, that he's a part of this. But as I said, don't, don't let me know. Sure. So then we go back to reality, and we follow... So goes gravity. Right. We follow... Silk Spectre through most of this episode, which is kind of nice. Uh, I do like uh, uh, Angela, but it's nice to to get a, a different perspective as well. She goes, she's she goes into the booth again, actually, and she's mm-hmm. telling the joke. It keeps cutting back to her joke. This one's about Osmandus. Mm-hmm. He, he saved humanity by dropping a giant squid on New York City, which killed three million people. Then God declares that he's a monster and sends him to hell. Yep. So yeah, Lori and Peter at the scene where Judd was hanged. Uh, they meet up with um, Jean. Yep. Uh, Lori and Peter go to a warehouse, and then the tr- prison transfer van pulls up. Lori goes in. Uh, Red Scare and Pirate Jenny toss a prisoner out in the tarmac, and it's like one of those redneck kind of guys. Oh yeah, and Lori they've got they got a are. bunch of them. Oh yeah. Uh, Lori says, "There's looking glass inside." They go in. Lori and uh, the prisoner going with them. Police are in the warehouse. They're process. There's a quite. He's said quite a few of the seven Calvary prisoners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she she comes up to, and this is this is a good anything with looking glass because I I love uh, the guy that plays him, and you know he does a fantastic job. But they also you know have a real great scene here where she goes into the uh, the dome. Or the pod, I think that's what they call it. And you know, she walks in and and she reveals that she knows who he is. She knows what his name is. He takes his his mask off. Wade Tillman. Yeah, and they. She says, you know, what is this thing? And he kind of explains that it will trigger certain prejudices and things like that in uh, in people that would ordinarily not reveal them. And she goes, oh, it's a racist detector. Right. <laughs> And he he kind of, uh, you know, he fights back against that. Like, that's an oversimplification, but she just continues to call it a, a racist detector. And yeah, she keeps referring to him as mirror guy. Yeah. 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 At one point, she cleans her teeth, you know, looking at his face. She's like, well, you wear a mirror on your face. You got to you got to expect people are going to use it. So she talks to him. Yeah, they, they ask about the, the, the autopsy. He says there wasn't a toxic train because, you know, they knew how he died. Yeah, and... Uh, he mentions the raid on the cattle ranch. Does, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and they knew, and he knew that he had cocaine in his system. Sure. Yeah, because... And then um, he says, Sister Night got the location of the cattle ranch of the prisoner. Uh, Lori says... Lori basically says she knows Sister Night's Angela. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's like, oh, she's got a funeral for Judd in a couple hours, so she's going to, you know, work on the eulogy. So she took a personal bath for this. Yep, so she, we, she, we she heads over there. Again. Yeah, we cut to her again in the uh, the, phone, the Manhattan mm-hmm. booth. She says, the third hero was Dr. Manhattan. God asked him how many people he killed. Manhattan says it doesn't matter. He knows God sent him to hell because he's seen it, and sure enough, he gets sent to hell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they go to their uh, the, the motel rooms. Uh, they go to Judd's funeral. 
uh, the policemen at the gate make them hand over their guns because guns are, I don't know if it's just in Tulsa or just in general in this timeline, but yeah, guns are very restricted. Even the FBI has to hand them over. Yeah. Yeah, and they all, they all get put in the, as we saw in the first episode, they're in some sort of restrictor where you have to basically get permission to, to get it out. Right. And Lori goes up to Angela as the A-bars show up. She says, uh, I hope I can talk with you over coffee later. And Angela goes, oh, I'm retired. You know, I can't, I'm not going to talk about this. And then so uh, she just gives Angela her card. Mm-hmm. And, and mentions that it has her beeper number on there. Yeah, yeah, because in, in this in this scenario, people are, are very untrustworthy of technology in general just because of, you know, Dr. Manhattan's influence yep. and all that crazy stuff. So, yeah, that is kind of retro in some respects, whereas on the other end, they have very advanced technology. Right. So then we see that somebody is uh, strapping explosives to themselves, uh, you know, tunneling through this area. And, you know, the, the funeral started. Uh, Angela starts to talk about her, her eulogy. Uh, basically, she says that her and Judd kind of gave each other each other's eulogies because they figured eventually, you know, one of them would get killed and they'd have to speak at their funeral. And this guy pops out of a mausoleum. He's turned turned himself into a human bomb. He said it's connected to his heart, so if he dies, it will it'll know and it will explode. And he says they want the senator, and the senator starts to come with him. He's like, you know, come with us. We won't hurt anybody else. And he's Seventh Cavalry. I guess I should point that out. He's got a Rorschach mask on. And the uh, the senator starts to come with him. And then uh, uh, Silk Spectre just uh, takes her gun and blows his head off, just shoots him in the head, which does start triggering the bomb to go off. So uh, Angela pulls him into the grave and then uh, throws Judd's, uh, Judd's casket on top of it. Right. And the whole thing explodes. <laughs> and then later, they're in the mausoleum checking out this thing. And she says... Uh, uh, Silk Spectre says, you know, they, they always say that. <laughs> like, I, I think I love it's funny that she's experienced this so many times that it's kind of old hat for her. But she's like, they always say that, that they have attached their heart, but they never take, they never take the time to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and we also see Keen telling the reporters that, you know, law enforcement's the real heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori, um, you know, so, you know uh, she gets uh, some coffee uh, from Petey, and she goes and talks to Angela. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, she admits, you know, I thought he, like you said, I thought he was bluffing. Lori thinks Angela. Um, they, uh, they, they want to exhume the corpse, but I guess they can't now, so they'll never know for sure that he did have cocaine in the system. Right. But uh, Lori does point out that there's wheelchair tire tracks at the tree where he's hung, and that she found a secret compartment in his closet, which, mm-hmm. you know, we know previously contained a... Uh, Clans type robe, which is a funny kind of reference because her father, the comedian, had the exact same thing, but he had his uh, superhero attire in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so there's, I like, I hope that she, I, I'm assuming she's going to stay around because I love the the little bit of chemistry that we get between the two of them in this in this one scene. But she basically yeah, says... Yeah, they're both, I like how they play off of each other. Um we cut again to the Manhattan booth. Uh, Lori's finishing her joke, says, God notices someone waiting a woman. God says he doesn't know who that is. And the woman says she's the bricklayer's daughter from the first joke. And then the brick hits God in the head, killing him and sending him to hell, which is kind of, it's another like a 
time like shifting kind of thing because mm-hmm. you know we completely forgot all about that obviously right it's kind of a weird joke i mean i'm sure there's something to it i just haven't quite analyzed it yet yeah but uh then so then uh so that, that yeah i think this then is you see pd and Lori are at the hotel and then Lori opens the she had a briefcase earlier that she opened and then there's like a faint blue glow to it mm-hmm. oh yeah i forgot about that that is the payoff to that yeah, she so she opens it up. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this is gonna be a Tarantino thing where we never get to see what it is. But she pulls it out and uh it's like a Dr. Manhattan vibrator. Right. <laughs> Just, but then she goes to a PD's room and they end up in the bed together with a PD wearing his mask that he brought. Yeah. Interesting. So the time's running out in the call. She just says she doesn't know why she tells him jokes because he never had a sense of humor, which is not incorrect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it just kind of hangs up. And then as she starts to leave, Angela's car just like suddenly crashes from uh, nowhere, almost hitting her. And then like she kind of looks up to see a flare in the night sky, and she laughs looking looking up at it. Yep. And that is from Mars. And... Yeah, go ahead. Because it's from where Mars traditionally is, the flare. Yeah. And, I mean, it makes sense. She, she's, she calls him and says, you know, that he never he never answers her back or anything. And then she walks out and... You know, he answers her back. I mean, basically, that's kind of what I got out of it. Great. But yeah, so that was uh, that was the episode. Another really good episode. Uh, we you know we we meet a new character, obviously. Well, a character for people that have never read the the graphic novel or I guess seen the movie, uh, a new character. But you know, for uh, or I mean, yeah, and for but for us, not a new character, but kind of a new take or you know, a new chapter in the life of an old character. But we really, they really take the time to fully develop her. Like, I feel like even, even if you didn't, if you didn't know anything about Lori, if you didn't know anything about this character before now, they really take the time to, after this episode, I think everyone kind of knows exactly what type of person she is. Oh yeah, for sure. She's like a really no nonsense, you know, Kind of, uh, she's basically like her father. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, another another great episode. This this show is really really good. Yeah, very good episode. They even get better. So uh, hold your teas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, that is our episode for the week. Um, Mike, you got anything you want to tell people before we skedaddle? Nope. Okay, well, we will see you next week then. Bye. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wear your mask outside. What's wrong with you? You're not a scientist. Yeah. You don't know better than a scientist. Agreed. This is the analogy that I always use. So imagine that you're in a supermarket and uh, you and a friend are there and you're both naked from the waist down. And I imagine this all the time. <laughs> and, and you pee. You're going to pee all over that person. It's going to get all over them. Now let's say same scenario, but they're wearing pants and you're still not wearing pants, and then you pee. The pan- their, their pants are going to stop some of it, a little bit of it, but some but some of it's going to soak through and get on them. Now imagine that you're both wearing pants and you pee. Your pants are going to contain all that urine right with you. That's what wearing a mask is like. So wear your fucking masks. Or just go to the bathroom like an adult. Yeah, that's true. You could also do that. 
Oh, but anyway, that is our we'll show. We'll see next week. <laughs> I remember when you used to do that. Oh, bye, guys. <laughs>